You hear me now? Do I sound good? Yeah, you sound good. And it's like lighting up green. Okay. Sleepers Podcast, Thursday, September 28th. Carter Elliott is here and he is unveiling a candle before my eyes. Lighter in one arm, candle in the other. I am going to guess the fragrance of this candle from the hue here. I think we're looking at something a little bit tropical, nothing crazy. I think that's an ocean breeze. It is not. It is a French laundry candle. So it actually smells like laundry. Does it smell French? A little bit. I don't know. It's been a while since I've actually smelled a French person, to be honest with you. Wait, now, so candle goes down, and now we're getting a beverage, a drink? What is this? You're going for two things at once here? Uh, just a little body armor. I mean, we got to, we got you know... The vibes have been off this morning for me. I'll let you know that. Uh, for people who you know don't speak with me, the vibes are a little off this morning for me. So I, I'm changing the vibes a little bit. So I got a candle. I got a little body armor and a fancy glass. I got a little charcuterie board here. Um, just trying to just kind of change up the vibes a little bit. I uh, wholeheartedly forgot that we talked about bringing cheese today. Um, so that's on me. I did not bring any cheese. You've brought some cheese. I think that's a shot at the Green Bay Packers. Is that correct? 100 is. Game day, like baby. That. Let's rock. I like that. Big game tonight. Are you also, is that a donut? Are you eating a donut? Yeah, it's a vegan donut, which, by the way, absolutely love my wife. Love her food journeys and hers a vegan. Vegan donuts do not hit the same as regular donuts. Yeah, I feel like that's just a fact. Um, she might push back on that, though, which is why we need to turn the show over to the wives one day. They were talking about it last night. I think there's verbal agreement that this needs to happen. So one day before the season starts, we will have a wives-only show, and uh, we'll give them a couple topics. I'm sure vegan food and Taylor Swift will be two of those three. As you can see, I'm not in my studio right now. Uh, I am at my parents' house in my dad's office right now. So visuals a little off today, lighting a little off. But uh, brought the equipment. I'm, I'm on the move, as Carter has done multiple times. So here we go. Hopefully it works. Should be a fun show today. We got a new list from Guy. Our list guy has made another Guy's Guy's list. This time his bucket list. We got Lions Packers. We want to preview that. And a huge trade shook the NBA last night. We haven't talked NBA in a while. But uh, Carter, it's my favorite player who got traded to my favorite superstars team. And I'm still hashing out mentally if I need to, to be a fan of this team or not. I'm excited to hopefully have you talk me through that. But first, let's go to your comment of the day. Carter Elliott's comment of the day from the YouTube channel. What do you got? Uh, so uh, in, in typical fashion of me, I have to read more than one just because sometimes I like reading like the, the smaller captions that don't need a discussion on them. I just kind of want to read it. Uh Fat Decimator responded to the betting odds video, I believe that you were talking about, uh, and he quoted, a real entrepreneur is somebody who has no safety net underneath them, aka he was calling you soft for going and putting collateral on that for that um, Purdue bet you made, I believe. Do you want uh, to respond to that? Yeah, I, I hear that. I I certainly respect that line of thinking. Um, here's one thing about me. I am soft. So <laughs> like, let's just call it, what it is. I'm not going to front and pretend I'm someone I'm not. Uh, I have had the blessing to grow up and live a pretty privileged life. Shout out to my parents, mom and pop. And uh, yeah, I don't know. They're gamblers. I'm a gambler. Like 
if if I needed a loan to put on Purdue, I probably would turn to Connie and Dave first and say, this is why. In fact, I walked into their house today. Like I said, I'm doing this from Connie and Dave's house. And uh, the first thing my dad said to me when I walked in was, where's that box? So I think he's in on the Purdue play. I think he's ready. Go From yesterday's episode, sir, you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. Okay, let's get to this one. Uh, I feel like we haven't done a Rutgers comment in a while. There's a lot of Indiana comments uh, yesterday. Um, one a couple of Indiana fans actually agreeing with our points about the concerns about the front court, which which mm-hmm. felt a little refreshing and different uh, compared to what normally happens. But this comment comes from Ryan Smith. Who the heck do you think were Rutgers' two best players, and how was one of them not Cliff? McConnell can't really be replaced, but Caleb and Paul were inconsistent, and this team is going to be able to push the tempo way better. Not saying they're better, because it really depends on how the new guys turn out and how much Hyatt can step up, but Cliff was a top-two guy on the Rutgers team. I think he's speaking the last year. Do you agree with that that sentiment? Yeah, I do. I think that's an inaccuracy from me. I think I said in passing, trying to make my point that Rutgers would miss the two guards, that uh, they lost their two best players. That is inaccurate, and I will own that. What I should have said is they lost their two best scorers. They lost their two best backcourt guys. They lost their two best playmakers. Uh, Make no mistake, what Rutgers' offense was, was Mulcahy and Spencer. They need to completely redefine that. But you're right. Cliff was probably their best player, their most valuable player last year. I, I do want to put a little bit of caution. Is, is the phrase caution to the wind? Is that an actual phrase? I think that's a phrase. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bust it out right now. There, you know, Cliff was a part of last year's team. Okay. Cliff is a part of the offensive deficiencies. Cliff is going into his senior year. I want to say, I want to say his he's going junior into junior year. I believe is a junior year. Okay, I could be wrong. Year. I think he's a junior. Okay. In any in any kind of uh, way you put it, to me personally, speaking from my personal opinion, I thought that Cliff was going to take more of a step offensively last year. I still don't think he has a true back to the basket go to move. He's extremely strong. Uh, obviously, he attempts to dunk almost everything. Let's, uh, there's a lot of Rutgers games I think we can point to last year where he was attempting to dunk things that he probably couldn't dunk and missed them a lot too. But he still doesn't have a go to post move. He still doesn't have uh, the ability to stretch the floor. There's there's a lot riding on Cliff showing just a little bit of expansion to his at least getting a go to move. Like at minimum, I think every center or big man should have at least one go to move. Like it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be necessarily lethal in any way. But you got to have a go to move. Usually guys go with like just a hook shot. I don't even think Cliff, Cliff really has a hook shot. So if they had the ability to throw it into him and he could be a threat with his back to the basket, even a, even a little bit, it'll it'll open up some things more for this um, for the Rutgers team. And I think that him not being able to do that last year was a part of the offensive struggles as much as you want to put it on uh, Jamal Mulvaney and Caleb McConnell being inconsistent. Yeah, Cliff is going to be a senior. I was wrong. He's uh, he's entering his fourth year. He dropped from a 62% from the floor guy as a sophomore to a 50% from the floor guy as a junior. For for a center who does nothing but catch ball, dunk ball, catch finish, catch quick post move, 50% is horrendous, okay? Like that's that is really really bad. So I uh I know Cliff is like pretty much the consensus sixth best player in the Big 10 this year. 
he's probably the guy you would pick sixth if you were like going down a line of who do you want on your team? Cause you know, you're getting a great defensive center if you have him. But uh, I, I don't think there is a leap there. I don't think there's going to be some magical cliff offensive game coming. And that's why in passing, I incorrectly said their best two players were Spencer and Mulcahy because cliff can't be a top two offensive option. He's incapable of doing that. And I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see though because he doesn't necessarily have to be like a crazy offensive. Option. I'm telling you, just one move, just a hook shot. That's your big man thing, though, right? Is bigs don't have to do everything; they just have to have one unstoppable thing. But I feel like that's easier said than done for a Big Ten big. There's a lot of Big Ten bigs who have nothing and are supposed to have that. Yeah, but I mean, also, you know, beggars can't be choosers. At least Cliff like catches the ball and dunks it. You know, there's some centers that struggle catching the ball. He uh is he the fully realized version of Mati Sissoko? I used to say that was Umar Balo, and you yelled at me. Well, I used mm, no, nah, it's probably honestly Cliff. Yeah, that, right. Like if, if Mati like grew two more inches and just magically could catch and dunk, he might be Cliff, right? And and protect the rim. Maybe I don't know. It's weird. I I'd never understand what make centers like Jordan Morgan was a great big 10 center for my program for four years. And that guy couldn't do anything. And he you was, know what? He Jordan, was great. He, uh, he did. Honestly, Jordan Morgan did a lot more than I feel like you give him credit for. Well, that's what I'm saying. He was great. Like if this somehow yeah. makes its way to Jordan Morgan, he, I, I, one of my favorite Wolverines ever. I just struggle when I go back and think about Jordan Morgan. I'm like, what did he do? Nothing. Dunk. Thomas Hill <laughs> caught everything. Dunked it. He had a, he he had a hook shot. He, had he did shot. not have a hook shot. He did not have a hook shot. He was very good defensively. He was always in the right spot. He was a heart of the team guy, leader, all that. Uh, no I don't hook. think he. I don't think he had anything. No, I went to. This is like one of my first little kid things when I was like maybe eighth grade or freshman year in high school or something. My dad took me to like Michigan's open practice the year they had Darius Morris as a freshman. And uh, or, sorry, redacted as a freshman. And uh, Jordan Morgan had not played. He was redshirting. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the center. Like, I'm kind of excited about him. He looks strong in picks, all this stuff. And I watched this man just do like form shooting, like whatever that drill is, like from two feet away from the hoop. I kid you not, Cart. The man was airballing form shooting from two feet away from the hoop. I don't think he made one in the hour that I watched him. I'm like, this dude's cooked. And then a year later, he was my starting center and Michigan's program was slowly turning around. So I'll never understand it. I still think he's one of the most talentless starting centers I've ever seen. But he was awesome, which is why I don't get bigs. I'm not a big man. I'm a I'm a wing. I'm a what'd you call me? You said I was three and D without the D once or something like that. Yeah, I did say that. You didn't appreciate that. I didn't appreciate that. I'm a secondary playmaker. That's what yeah. I like to think of myself as. <laughs> there you go. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'll allow it. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I just don't speak big, man. It is what it is. Uh, okay, should we move to the Discord? Let's do it. How's that charcuterie board going down, by the way? It's pretty good. So the, the thing I got was like the Cracker Barrel variety cheese. So it's like there's some Gouda, there's some white cheddar. And then I, you know, just because I feel you got to pair the charcuterie with something. I got some honey roasted almonds and they're fantastic. You really came prepared today. You love to see it. I appreciate it. Uh, okay. Over to the discord where again, couple new, new people have joined here. I want to give some shout outs here. Uh, traveling gonad is into the discord. He's a new member, a paid member, by the way. So he's already interacting with us. We appreciate you being here. And then a couple guys are Smith of 
and Douglas Carlson have both joined. They haven't paid yet, but gentlemen, please join. Gentlemen, ladies, whoever you are, please join. We'd like to see you in here. We'd like to talk to you. Uh, in fact, Sleepers Bets newsletter is coming out today, I think. I think. Have you written your part yet or no? I'm like halfway done with it. We, are we going to get to that? I know you got a crazy blown up day, but are we going mean, to get well, to that today? If, if you're telling me that you'll have it ready, I will get mine ready. Okay. I'd like to get my part done in the next couple hours after we're done recording. Do we want to release it today? Do we want to release it today? Like to release it tonight? I would like to release it tonight at the latest. Okay. Let's do that. Yeah. So, okay. Sleepers Bats newsletter will be available. Join the discord and you can see that a bunch of good comments though. Let's go back to yesterday's episode in the comments thread and we can begin them. I'm doing this from my phone again. Normally I have this on a desktop, but a road game today. We're trying to figure it out. Travis Nelson starts us off today. He says, I'm still not sold on Purdue being a natty contender. I'm prepared to see Greg hurt during the end or more during the tournament with Purdue this year than he was with Iowa in 2022. Edie will be great. The team will win a lot of games, but I'm still just really underwhelmed with the rest of the roster compared to the other top teams. Opening that Iowa 2022 wound was was a, was a deep cut, Travis, for, his, for for our boy Greg. You, I mean the 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 transition from the Big Ten tournament when you were just the biggest Hawkeye I've ever seen. I mean, you were in. You were a Murray. I was. I was a Hawkeye. I was even buying what Fran was selling at the time. Shout out to Travis Nelson, man. He uh he has another comment coming later in this that we'll get to, but he's a ride or die. He's been with us since the jump of sleepers. And that's what I love about this whole like doing this daily and kind of growing this community. I love that we actually get to know people a little bit and like how did they come across us and they call us out for things from years ago. It's getting fun. But yeah, there there isn't something that could hurt me more than Iowa, <laughs> truly genuinely i mean that i uh we've alluded to this before but our darkest days maybe in our lives as friends not as content creators just as people was the ncaa tournament in 2022 we were in philadelphia at the rivers casino with the field of 68 doing some stuff and uh i mean we had a lot of bets placed and not only did we have a lot of bets placed i had iowa and kentucky to meet in the championship game. I think I had Iowa winning it all or Kentucky winning it all. They both lost in round one. It was devastating to me. Iowa never had a chance in that game, but uh, yeah, even in the big 10 tournament that year, you weren't there, but I was there with Roby. Roby was the sleepers photographer. He had a camera that he didn't even know how to turn on. And he was in the photographer seats on the court at the big 10 tournament. And uh, I, I, I can't express the feeling to anyone, but like, sitting courtside next to Kevin Sweeney and whoever that draft guy is, not Gavoni, but uh, yeah, Smits. Who? (laughs) Smits? Mike Schmitz. Mike Schmitz. Sorry, I'm like, who's Smits? Mike Schmitz. Sitting next to Sweeney and Mike Schmitz, watching Keegan Murray just like eviscerate everything in his path. Like I was convinced this kid was an NBA superstar, and now here he is setting – NBA records for most three pointers as a rookie. Like, I feel like I got to see all of that before the world did right in front of my eyes. And I remember I bought an Iowa t-shirt. I crossed out all the other big 10 logos because they just had, they had like the big 10 tournament tees. I just crossed out the other 13 with Sharpie, but uh, man, I'm, I'm not over it. I hate Iowa now because now I've like seen it's like a bitter X, you know, like you realize how much they hurt you and how much they violated your trust. Now I don't even want to hear the name McCaffrey. You you have a lot riding on Purdue this year, though. 
like even more than Purdue fans, I feel like. You, do I mean, you this, think that would hurt me more than Iowa, though? Because I, mm. I think the thing with Purdue is no, if they – No, it, no, I don't think it would. I don't think it would because, like you said, I think a guarantee this year is that Purdue is going to be good. Yeah. They're going to be good. Yeah. That's my like, thing. You don't, is you, if, don't have to wor- you don't have to worry about that. If Purdue flames out in the tournament, that's just tournament craziness. And who's to say? We might get to the first week of March, and I don't like what I'm seeing. And I, I'm not flip-flopping, but I'm saying, hey, I called this last year. We might want to pause on the Purdue. Like, that might happen. All I'm saying is, right now, they're going to be one of the top two teams in the country all season long. And uh, if they're not good in the regular season, I feel like the apocalypse happened because I don't know how else it would happen. But either way, I don't think it would hurt me as much as Iowa. Uh, Fam agrees with Travis, and he says, agreed. I haven't really dove into the concept, but if that backcourt runs into tough physical guards on a neutral floor, I don't know. Coy then responds and says, conveniently, it will only take us one and a half months to figure out if Kaufman, Ren, and Colvin are difference makers or not. Maui, Bama, and Arizona will be plenty of competition to show what they got. What are your thoughts on, on all this? I gave my thoughts in the Discord. And I'll elaborate on them in a moment, but I want to throw it to you first. What's uh, what's your read on the tough physical guard problem for Purdue's backcourt? I, I mean, when I was going through it, though, what who are like the tough physical guards in this country that are just going to like overpower them? Like, like we, if I pulled up the top like five backcourt list of any any media company out of there. I think that AJ Hogard is, I would consider him a physical guard. Maybe Braden Smith struggles with him. AJ Hogard actually does a pretty good job, you know, using his body for defensively and being physical with people. Tyson, on the other hand, is a little more so like just great defender, doesn't have the great size, but just great hands and, you know, uh, is great at moving his feet. But like, what backcourt is just like going to physically impose these guys? Like Duke? Is Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach really that physically imposing? I don't. I, I. I don't know. I feel like the you brought up a great point on this. They played these so-called physical backcourts or whatever you want to call it, tough backcourts earlier in the season, and they passed it with flying colors. Now, did they hit the sophomore wall? Yes. Did Braden Smith average a lot of turnovers down the stretch? Yes. But. For my money, if I'm making a betting man, if I am a betting man and I'm making a bet, and I am, I would bet that he improves on things such as turnovers. Like, I, I think that Braden Smith will realize that he doesn't have to do as much as he needs to do. And it's it's something he'll fix. He's a true freshman point guard, and he's not going to go the whole season unblemished, basically. There's going to be some type of faults in his game. Uh, so I think he improves on all those. I, I think the – I think also – the guards and the pieces that they add might help with the whole physical athletic team profile, like whether they want to play Colvin at the two or having a guy like Coleman or Hyde, who's more athletic to also go along with that backcourt that they need to, or the wings, whatever you want to call it, I think will help them out as well. So I'm not, I'm not really too concerned, honestly, about that being the way to stop Purdue. I'm more concerned about Purdue shooting. That's yeah. that that's the main concern. The tough physical guards against Braden Smith, that's I'm not that doesn't worry me to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree with you. I uh I don't know. They have more answers this year, right? Like last year they only had one answer and it was Smith and Lawyer have to be good and if they're not, oh well. Uh this year 
throw Colvin in, throw Hyde in, throw Waddell in. Like all three of those guys are larger, more physical athletes that are able to play at the two or the three that can really cover up some of the lawyers inefficiencies. And um, I, I do think shooting's the one concern and I, I don't have the answer on their shooting because if, if they miss shots, that becomes mental again. And last year, like, it was purely mental in my opinion, like fairly Dickinson was leaving them wide open at the expense of just, we're going to swarm Zach Eady. And when a guy's wide open and he can't make a shot and you're scared now because you're in that moment, like, what are you supposed to do about that? Clearly it lost them that game. And maybe that happens again. Like they, they might have demons from that. They might see some ghosts, but uh, my larger point is if you're pointing at the backcourt with Purdue being like, that's why I can't trust this team. Remember how that backcourt melted down at the end of the season. We have a larger sample size of that backcourt beating Tyler Kolick and Cam Jones, beating Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach, beating Nolan Hickman and Malachi Smith and Rasir Bolton two weeks into their college careers. Those kids were 18 years old when Purdue was blowing those teams out in non-competitive games. So just like, let's let's dial it back. And just if, if you're going to criticize them, make sure you give them credit for that too. We can't say like Purdue's guards can't handle physical guards. Yeah, they can. They already have. They just need to do it in the big moment. So um, moving on here, traveling gonad says, I think the 2013-14 MSU team doesn't get enough love in conversations like this about the best Big Ten team of the last 15 years. The squad featured two first-team All-Big Ten caliber guys, Gary Harris and Adrian Payne, all-time glue guys in sophomore Zell and Brandon Dawson, plus Keith Appling was in All-American discussions before hurting his wrist and forgetting how to shoot, beat that Stauskas team in the Big Ten tournament, plus an Elite Eight. That team was pretty good, especially before Keith had the wrist injury. Like Keith was playing like an all-American truly was that year. That team was special. And it was like you knew what Zell and those guys were, but they were like kind of coming into their own and having their moments as well. Uh, I'll always remember the Champions it's a Champions Classic that year. Was that when Keith took over against Kansas? Do you remember that correctly? I get the, the Champions Classic games confused from that era because I – there were just so many of them, and a lot of those players overlap teams. It's hard for me to remember which was which. That's true. Has now I'm now I'm like scatterbrained. I feel like every Michigan State like great player has had a Champions Classic moment. Did Cassius have a Champions Classic moment? Not that I remember. Cassius's thing was the Seton Hall game. I feel like he went crazy yeah. then. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously the the win with. The Kenny Goins shot was huge for Cash too. Cash had some big Michigan moments and like blowout wins on the latter part of his career. Um, but I I don't know that the 2013-14 team, like great team. I remember them fondly. I was in school during that era. Like this was prime. Those guys were coming to my apartment year too. Like I I always allude to stories of this, but like genuine that 13-14 team was like we had the party apartment and like we were just so happened to be friends with like girls on the dance team. And I was friends with drew Valentine. So like it just turned into like a lot of times these guys would roll through and when they roll through the whole team rolled through, that's how it worked. So uh, like, I remember that season very fondly. I remember those people very fondly and like Zell 
it's crazy looking back, like Zell was the fifth option on that team and Zell becoming such a good national player of the year guy a couple years later. I didn't see that coming at all with who he was. Like he made a lot of mistakes and was kind of this crazy guy. And then two years later, he's the best player in the country by far. I loved Brandon Dawson. I He had the injuries early in his career. If he never had those, I'm really curious what he would have looked like. Like, I, I think there's a chance he's a totally different ceiling guy than what we saw. And he was still a great player. But uh, so, something with that group, though, and uh, some like I know I don't want to do the off court thing, but like there was just always this negative shit around Keith and AP that kind of hung over everything for me. And like there were allegations of them when they were freshmen, and that's bad. But like they also were the first group for Izzo on the court that didn't make a final four. Like that was, it was all, you could feel it ramping up as they got closer and closer to their senior year and they hadn't gotten over the hump. And then to have it go out in the elite eight. And um, I, I typed out a story in the discord, nice plug for the discord here. I typed out a story of why they might've lost in the elite eight that nobody is supposed to know. And uh, it's a pretty wild story. There was some stuff going on with that team. So I uh, I wouldn't put them like you wouldn't put them in the tier of teams we talked about yesterday, would you? Like good team, but not that good. No, because also I think a lot of the good Michigan State teams we talked about had like kind of an, a a season arc or like a story arc as well. Like that's why I always go back to that that Cassius uh, Tillman team, just because like the season arc and the story of the season just like felt so good, and you know there was other things hanging around the Michigan, uh, some other Michigan state teams that maybe make it a little bit less uh, enjoyable. So, yeah. yeah, but, but, but for everything else that has happened with, unfortunately with Keith Appling before that man hurt his wrist, he was special that season. He's a dog. I mean, that the, he was, I mean, he was crazy. The state championship where he had 50, was like I was there in person. I'm just like, this guy's going to torment me for the next four years. And I always, I don't know what it was. He was very good. I always felt like he never was as good as he could have been though. I don't, I don't know what it was. Like there was a lot of talent on those teams, but it, it felt like Keith should have been like first team all American guy at some point. He never got there. I, I One last story here though. I'll never ever, I never fully believed in Keith because I saw my point guard, Ray Mack, Ray McCallum, Ray Michael, <laughs> smack the rack. Absolutely take this man's lunch money for a whole third quarter and take over a basketball game. And for a stretch, and this is the greatest stretch of one-on-one I've ever seen in my life. In, in the third quarter at Lansing Eastern, uh, packed house at the field house, uh, all Michigan State coaches there, all the coaches there. Because, I mean, this the uh, outside of Keith, really good basketball team with uh, – uh Pershing like Sharon Dorsey Walker a bunch of D1 players on that team Juwan Howard Jr and then we had you know Amir and all those guys on our team as well but for a whole third quarter I'm talking about 14 straight points where Ray was just da, 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 da. like it was him and Keith too just bah, 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 bah. ended it with a steal and a dunk just to like make the place explode craziest thing I ever seen in my life so shout out to Ray Mack man and I remember because Ray hadn't committed yet at that point right oh. No, but Keith had. So that was a big element. I was in the gym for that. And if you would have told me, I would have been business partners, podcasters with somebody else in that gym at that time. I would have been like, what is going on? But uh, no, I that was for my money. That's the biggest high school basketball moment I can think of in the state of Michigan in my lifetime. Anyone who cared about basketball was at that game. 
I mean, you knew the implications, right? Like it was, it was, they had, <laughs> Go ahead. no, I'm sorry. Last thing before the game, they had like the ESPN high school magazine that they used to send out back then. And Keith and Keith was on the cover and the yeah. caption was, there's an app for that. And like, he had the whole story and like the whole week, you could just see like Ray, like locking in. Cause he was just like mentally a different animal. And he was just like, I'm going at this dude. I'm about to like show him. He was like, Ray wasn't a shit talker, but like he was scoring baskets, looking at Tom Izzo and the staff. Like, this is the dude y'all got. Like, it was incredible hoops. Great time. Yeah, it was personal. Like, you could very much feel that just from watching it. And again, you had the whole element of Keith had committed already in this game's being played in Lansing mm-hmm. and the entire Michigan State staff. It's a gym full of Michigan State fans. And Ray Mack hadn't committed, but he had every program in the country wanting him. And he's like, I mean, it was personal. That's all you could say. And you're right. He took his lunch that quarter. It was very incredible to watch. We need to get Ray on the show, by the way. I know we've danced around that a little bit. I think he has opened the door for that. So you should uh, you should line that up. We should get Ray back on the show at some point. Yeah, he, yeah, he wants to come on. He already he responds to the, he's a sleepers fan. So oh, everyone, love that. that's good to appreciate, know. Appreciate you, Ray. Uh, Travis Nelson, we, we kind of got down a rabbit hole here between us, basketball Jones, Trav going back and forth, just reminiscing on that era. Travis Nelson pulled some numbers though, from 13 to 15, the big 10 had seven elite eights and four final fours, two runner ups, just in a, a 13, 14, 15, three year stretch since 2016, only four elite eights and only two final fours for the conference. It really is like uh, my thing was it felt like there were five programs that any given year could do it back then. Like you had Thad Mata's Ohio state. You had Bo Ryan's Wisconsin. You had Tom Izzo's Michigan state. You had John Beeline's Michigan. And honestly, Tom Crean's Indiana teams were cooking back then. And then like you go down the list, like the sixth best coach, the sixth best program was Purdue under painter. <laughs> and now Purdue under painter is just eviscerating. Everybody is still around obviously, but I think, uh, I think we really underestimate how good those coaches were at the time. Cause all those guys are hall of fame guys. And uh, I think the conference is sorely lacking that now. Yeah. And I think we, at least myself, you know, I don't think those teams should be expected to carry the Big Ten water the whole time. You know, some other programs could have stepped up in this time and like got honestly looking at Fran. If Iowa team gets there, you really could have helped out the conference. You yeah, had that, a lot of talent, man. This goes back to my point of like the coachings, though, like back back in that era, Fran and Painter were here. and They were just like the seventh and eighth best teams in this conference. And now. They've outlasted people. Give them credit for that. But like the fact that Purdue and Iowa have been really good the last few years doesn't make me warm and fuzzy for the Big Ten. Like we're missing a really great coach who's just like, oh, yeah, Fran's not doing this anymore. <laughs> like, and I don't know, like I look at those schools who they hired. Uh, I think Holtman's the best coach of the group of the guys that have come through. But Holtman's struggling right now. Jawan Howard has driven this off a cliff. Mike Woodson's fine, but I don't think he's ever going to be more than fine. So I don't know, messy, messy, annoying times to be a Big Ten fan. Uh, Then going down here, Travis Nelson does say, uh, here's a fun question. Whatever happened to Locker Room and Spotify Green Room? That's where he first interacted with us. And that question pops in his head once in a while. You want to take that? Uh, Well, we had the beautiful opportunity, thanks to Gregory's uh, acumen for being a fantasy football player to be like one of the first beta testers of locker room which was this was at the start of covid i believe it was 
And we were basically stuck in the house and there weren't that many sports going on. And they want us to basically try out this app and just, you know, it's, it's, it was basically like Twitter spaces, I think before Twitter spaces, but like its own social media platform. And we ended up growing with it. We enjoyed it. We met people on it. Um, Greg's told this story before, like we got found on Spotify live, like on green room, like Jeff Goodman jumped into one of our rooms one day and was like, I like these guys. And from that, it helped kind of boost sleepers a little bit. Um, but unfortunately, Spotify Live kind of fell fell by the wayside, I feel like. I'm not, is this still a thing? Uh, I don't think it is. So I don't know the specific details, but my read on this is this. Um, and Cart laid most of this out. But the uh, the guy who founded Locker Room... And they had like a small team of like four people that were building this app locker room and going into that as a business. Two of them, the CEO and the other guy, uh, like one of the, I don't know what his role was, a much more administrative role. Love him. Ethan, great guy. These guys were in a long time fantasy basketball league with me. Like I, it was like 30 teams, 200 bucks a year, a keepers league, like all this ridiculous shit. And I was just like this personality who pulled crazy trades off and got to know these guys a little bit. And Ethan called me one day and was like, Hey, we got this app. I know you have a podcast. I think you'd be really good at it. Just try it out sometime. And then Amani Bates committed to Michigan state. And I called you and was like, you want to try this thing and see if it works. And I remember we just tried it out. We at the time we were doing our pod like once a week and nobody was listening to it. Like 11 people listened to it. And then we got in locker room and like 50 people were in our room that night, including aunt Wright. And I was like, oh, shit, like we kind of have a platform here. So Ethan thought we did great. It was at the time it was so little that 50 people in a room was like big numbers for locker room. So they uh, they kind of struck a deal with us that paid us a very small amount to be consistent creators on the platform. And then one day locker room got bought by Spotify, which is how it became Spotify Green Room. And uh, shout out to my boys, Howard and Ethan. They got the bag. Spotify dropped them millions of dollars for locker room that kind of the rags to riches, like Silicon Valley story. They sold it. Uh, I believe at the time the CEO just stepped away and was like, I got my bag. I'm out. Ethan worked for Spotify for a few years after that, which uh, again, offered us some paid opportunities to be creators for Spotify for a few years, which was great. Uh, I think my read on this of what happened is that once Twitter launched spaces, Everybody knew this was dead man walking. Like you just there, there was no differentiator for Spotify versus Twitter Spaces that was actually going to work with users. So I think uh, Spotify went from pumping money into this platform and getting Bill Simmons and people on the Ringer to two rooms on Green Room to we should not pump money into this anymore. Which is great that my guys got paid at a certain point. That was awesome. But I think uh, at this point that entity is pretty much dead. And I don't know what they're doing now. I know, uh, I, I mean, Howard texted us about uh, some some outkick last week. <laughs> That's He wanted an outkick segment. I love you, Howard. I love Ethan. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Missed the days, though. I love the locker room community. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we still talk to a lot of the locker room people to, to this day. It, it definitely helped us connect with people. And, it, man, it was it was an era. It was one of those like yeah. you had to be there eras and it was a fun time. Like getting in locker room, we did 
we did like a bunch of mock drafts. Like we did all types of all types of things in there. It was it was a good time. It helped me do this as a job too, because when I needed to leave my job, I needed to stack up paid opportunities that came close to what I was making. And at the time, Spotify's contract with me was one of the three elements of allowing me to do that. So shout out to those guys. They really helped launch us in a huge way. Um, Malik Perry, we got two more comments today. Malik Perry said, here's my hot take. Purdue is like the Avengers. Edie is the Hulk. All it takes is one Thanos. You're not a superhero guy. Your thoughts? I'm not really sure. I need to know. I, I need Malik to elaborate on that a little bit. Because he's like, I'm not one. I'm not a superhero guy, but I don't know if this is a compliment or if he's trying to say like, because Thanos got smoked at the end of at the end of the movie. So is he trying to say that Edie gets smoked? Well, he he says Edie is the Hulk, and somebody else is the Thanos here. Oh, that's okay. No, no, yeah. That's my my read would be Edie would be Thanos, and there's nothing Edie would be Thanos. Uh, if anything, Mighty Sissoko is the Hulk. Actually, Mighty Sissoko's group. Honestly, were were Edie's rings that ring picture? Were those Infinity Stones? I'm surprised you've seen Avengers. I haven't. I just oh. I know the lore. You know. <laughs> I know the <laughs> lore. Final comment of the day. This is from Traveling Gonad again. Shout out to our new. Uh, Discord member traveling going at. He says, as a longtime listener and new Discord member, I'd just like to know if Greg and Carter ever released an official apology to Chase Audige and his family after his defensive player of the year campaign last year. Audige was the butt of a lot of jokes made at Cormax and Caleb Houston's expense. Some of my favorites being Maple Syrup Audige and Lightning McQueen Audige. <laughs> uh, what an era. What an era. I feel like we apologize to Chase. I don't think we ever formally did. And I think did uh, you I think you were the primary perpetrator of this. I laughed at this, but you were always the Audige comparer. OK, so for me, it was before Audige turned as the defensive player of the year and Robin to excuse me, Robin to Boo Booey's Batman. He was honestly kind of dreadful to watch. It was kind of painful because I feel like he thought he was Boo Booey and he was trying to be Boo Booey when he took a step back and let Boo be Boo. And he was just like the defensive two guard, also kind of hitting shots as well. Audisha's career arc is crazy. Like he really did take a step that last season and became like one of the top five two-way players in the country, which I would have bet any money did not happen. So shout out to Chase Audige, man. Uh, I'm sorry for comparing you to Lightning McQueen, Cormac, and calling you, I don't even know, something along the lines of maple syrup something. I apologize. The last year was special. I still would have sworn. I think Duke and Carolina would have wanted Chase Audige if he would have wanted to play one more year in college. And uh, it would have been a crazy development to see that happen. Great. He, defender. Did, sign a, he did sign a two-way deal. Yeah. Cup of coffee. You know, I don't know. I'm rooting for him. Great defender. Uh, he was always boo too. We had boo and boo too. Uh, and I, I will miss you. I think uh, looking back, though, it's really sad that a team whose second best player was Chase Audige finished fourth in the Big Ten. That says something about it. Why get the end on that note? I just, I'm looking, I can't believe it, man. Like Northwestern was really good last year and they had a Clarkston center and Chase Audige and tie, and we all let that happen. Like we all sat back and said, yeah, that's okay. Like this is, and now we're, we're supposed to pretend this conference is in a good spot, man. Uh, you're right, though, traveling going to add. 
we're sorry, Chase Adige. Last year was incredible. We're rooting for you. There you go. All yeah, right. Good. Can I, ask one, can, I, can I ask one more thing quickly? Please. Uh, say, this is a safe space, right? I don't know. I don't know. Is a gonad a testicle? I don't know. Should we Google that? I I, I didn't want to because I didn't want images to come up. I'll Google it. Uh, gonad and yeah, yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the confirmation there. We can move on. Uh-huh. Okay, let's move on. We got three topics today. Uh, we're going to start with the big NBA news from yesterday. Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, kind of out of nowhere here. Everybody assumed it was going to be the Miami Heat. Dame came out and flat out said if it wasn't Miami, he wasn't going to show up to training camp. Something must have changed there. He has now released a song, and he's all excited about his move to Milwaukee. Uh, I have historically been a Damian Lillard guy for anyone who has not been around the Spotify greenroom days, they probably don't know this. Dame Lillard was was my favorite player in the NBA for roughly the last decade. I've rode or died with him always. Uh, been a big supporter of the Blazers because of that. Been a big proponent that he would someday get a ring. Last couple of years, it's been harder for me to watch as he uh, seems to just be okay with losing and now kind of forcing his way out, but demanding he ends up in Miami. I didn't love that move. This is big for Giannis, though, who I also love. He's my favorite superstar in the league. I want to see Giannis get more rings. I think Giannis needs help to get more rings. Dame is certainly help there. So what does this trade mean to you? Who's the winner here? I'm the winner. I'm the winner because he did it, G. He did it. This is you. This is what happens when you run from the grind. Stop embracing the grind. The grind isn't as fun as people make it out the scene. He should have ran from the grind five years ago. He did it five years late, but at least he's finally running from the grind. <laughs> Thank you, Dame, for the love of God. It was a great message. You really inspired the masses. Some of the shots were epic. You waved goodbye to Paul George and Russell Westbrook. You game Dwight Howard in the Rockets. But for the love of God, thank you for running from the grind finally. This team is insane, all right? Like, I, I get it. Uh, I will maybe at one point tap into my analytics folks and my serious folks, but I'm going to look on surface level right here. You got Dame Lillard. You got Giannis Antetokounmpo. You got Chris Middleton. Like, that is a crazy three right there. And then, you know, they got Brooke Lopez, who is pretty much what you probably want on a center for a team like this. You just want some guy who has height, he can shoot it, and he's a good defender. So, like, that's all you really need for this team. Um, I also would say that I think all teams kind of won in this situation. Like, I think all these teams – I think all the teams got out of this trade what they what they needed because, I mean, the Blazers, they get younger, they get picks, they go all in on Scoot and Ant Simons basically moving on. Um, you know, and they get Aiden, who I think gets a lot of – I think Aiden gets a lot more hate than he actually deserves. Um, and he'll get a fresh start, I think, because I think he hated his life in Phoenix. If I did have to pick one loser of this trade, though, I think it would be the Suns. Like, I don't know what they think Nurkic is, but Nurkic is not that much better than DeAndre Aiden. So he's not. I, I think this is a classic everybody got what they wanted trade, though. I like it. Um, and I'll, I want to speak to the Portland side of this in a moment. But Milwaukee... I mean, 
first off, has, has there been a better example of a franchise doing what they need to do to please a superstar? Like literally, literally they were, Giannis, Giannis last week said, I'm not signing this extension until y'all show me something. They said, give me a week. Here's yeah. Dame Lillard. Like, I mean, they, they were they were at the risk of losing their guy, who I, I think if they play this right, Giannis could be a lifetime buck. I know that's easier to say than not, but there's some special stuff here. Like Giannis wants to be around his siblings. I think he likes being the small market guy, the big personality. I don't think he needs like Hollywood to be Hollywood in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee just had to back it up, make sure they could keep him happy with the roster. Now, here you go. Like, I, I'm very jealous of Bucks fans today because as a fan of a, a different, somewhat small market team, I don't want to call Detroit a small market, but um, in, in essence, we are like we aren't a free agent destination. That's how you have to acquire if you're going to play in the super team era or build the the best team on paper. Like you have to make trades. You have to go trade for Rasheed Wallace. You have to get Damian Lillard. And I give Milwaukee a ton of credit. I think uh, Giannis is going to be there for a long time now. And I'm excited to watch Dame in a spot where they should win a championship, quite frankly, because I think he can he can be that guy and he helps Giannis a ton uh, for the Phoenix side of things. No, Nurkic is not better than DeAndre Ayton. He never will be. But. I think given the fact that you have those three, like you've got the three guys who are going to score 120 points a game right now. You just need somebody who's in the right spot and won't be upset about that. <laughs> literally. And, they, and, and, to, and that's literally what DeAndre Aiden didn't do. <laughs> yeah. To, to get a starting center who can start on a playoff team. We've seen him do it for six years. And then to also get depth. Like I, I don't like any of the depth pieces necessarily, but shit Phoenix was going to roll out like, us <laughs> like some podcasters as their sixth, seventh guy this year. Now they at least have some additional players uh, and Nurkic is fine. He's a starting center on a playoff team. So uh, I think it's fine. You avoid the toxicity of DeAndre Ayton and him clashing with Booker and all them. And then I, I love this for Portland. Honestly, I think there's an argument that Portland might have come out the biggest winner here, which sounds crazy crazy losing Damian Lillard. He's the greatest player in franchise history, in my opinion. But does it not feel like like Portland skipped the whole tanking side of this? And they they just stumbled their way into, in my opinion, a top two young core in the league. Like they got a little lucky with the draft pick, but I give them so much credit for saying, no, we're going to rock with Scoot. It's okay, Dame, you can go. Like a lot of franchises wouldn't have done that. They would have committed to the guy who sold the jerseys and all the fans love. No, they were like, Dame, I'm sorry, but we're not going to keep trying to build mediocre rosters around you. We're past that now. We have Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons is pretty damn good. And you know what? We can go get one of the top five young centers in the league to pair with this. And Shaden Sharp might be like, I just feel I'm almost jealous of a team. Uh, like I'm a fan of a team that had to go through six years of being as bad as we can be just to get Jaden Ivy as my second best player. Portland didn't do any of that. And they've got a core. Uh, they, that uh, I they, like. did suck. They, uh, they sucked last year. They didn't. I mean, okay. One they year. Had a, they had a third pick one year, one year of that. Like, I just feel like they stumbled their way into a better core than my team tanks for six years to try and get. And I'm jealous of it. Hey, hey, relax. We got a nice core, okay? I would trade my core immediately for Scoot, Simon, Sharp, Aiden. Immediately. Rush them to, to whatever it's called. Uh, what's what's Dur- their airport? What's, better than, what's better that than DTW? Aiden. Rush them to DTW. Get them out of here. Dur- Durin's better than Aiden. I like Durin. I do. Uh, Jay Nivey's the worst player out of that group of eight. Jay Nivey might be better than Ant Simons. No. No, he's not. Might be. 
No, he's not. Um, dead. But yeah, I, I think it's good. Do you think the Bucks are title favorites? Yeah. Yes. I feel like there's going to be something missing there, and I don't know what. You, you know what? You know what would be a hilarious end to this season? All this movement, all this going on, just for Jokic to come back from racing horses in Serbia and go back to back. This might is happen. all. This this is all to take down Nikola Jokic. It might happen. Office. I'm a little fearful for uh, Dame because again, Dame guy. I'm a little fearful that they don't win, and now Dame, he's always had the card in his pocket of like. Well, I haven't had enough. Like I've been this clutch big time player. I've gone as far as I can go. It's my team's fault. Now he doesn't have that. Like if if God forbid the Bucks fail here, all of a sudden the fingers do get pointed at Dame and he goes from like this overachiever guy to guard Paul George. And I card, I can't I can't be a guy who's on record saying guard Paul George is my favorite player. I can't do that. <laughs> you can't sleep at night with that. I can't do that. I'm really scared. He's turning into the thing he was standing up against, man. Um, but even like, man, didn't we just have like a week ago where Dame was on record saying I could never do that? He said I could never go to Golden State. I could never do that. And now here he is forcing his way to Giannis. Like this is this is exactly what I this is what Dame should be doing. Stop telling the truth. Start lying. Start running from the grind. This is this is gonna be great. He should have done it five years ago. LeBron would have six by now if he. I don't know. I, I don't know. If there's gonna be a scarier thing though in the league than a Dame Lillard Giannis pick and roll. Yeah, I mean Chris Middleton in the corner too. Like that's just. It feels like a honestly, like weren't all three of those guys on an Olympic roster at one point? Didn't Middleton make yeah. one team? Also, like, the Bucks are in the Pistons division. Yeah, tough. I mean, hey, makes our makes our final tank season even easier when Cade gets shut down one week into the year. We'll see what happens. Uh, all right. Well, congrats to Dame. I am. I want to also go on record. I'm not listening to the song. Uh, I know I should be like fan of like my player raps. Like I have a rap history. I'm not listening to that song. I can't believe this man dropped a single seven minutes after he got traded. I, to Milwaukee. I heard he, I heard he said the shot at Scoot too. Did he actually? Yeah. Some of them like, you think this guy can replace me, but they'll figure it out soon enough. I got to say this. Dame's wrong. Scoot can replace Dame. <laughs> like I'm also also Dame, my brother, you you you're 34. Okay. Having an 18-year-old op is not the not the greatest look. Okay. Yeah, be the just be the fake mentor, man. Okay. Don't Cade McNamara your way out of this. Like yeah. just be just be the fake mentor. Also, Scoot might be better. That's what I'm saying. His name's Who's Scoot. Nasty? I uh so what do I do here? I don't think I can be a Dame guy anymore. Like I don't think I can claim the guy who dropped the single dissing an 18-year-old as my favorite player now. I, I need you to actually listen to it first and then assess. I will identify as uh like if the Pistons are bad again and I gotta pick someone that I want to win the title, I'm identifying as a Bucks fan. I know that's like jumping, but like uh, if I got a root for a team that can actually win the title to win a title, it will be the Bucks. But I am also stepping away and no longer saying I'm a damn guy. That's my my current official stance. And I need a I'll new allow, guy. I'll allow it. Well, uh, Giannis. I don't know. I don't know. I need a new guy right now. Because I didn't like Giannis's energy this offseason of like still making all the, the meme-y little jokes while Jokic just runs through everything. 
Okay. Respect that. Well, I'm, yeah. I look forward to seeing who the guy's going to be for you. Yeah, I'm going to have to figure it out. Okay. Let's go to the next topic here. Uh, we are going to talk Thursday night football. Lions, Packers in Lambeau. The last time the Detroit Lions stepped into Lambeau, they packed up the greatest quarterback in Packers history, sent him to New York, sent him to a stretcher never to be heard from again. The Detroit Lions did that. Okay. I won't take any other answer here. Uh, and then we, I mean, we hit the post game interview and said, we, the Detroit Lions, that's what we do. And then we ship that guy out for better running backs. Like we're just, we're operating like a well-oiled machine right now. Take no prisoners. Both these teams are two and one because the Packers fortuitously played a team who had to put Jameis Winston in the game and had a missed field goal. So they have a winning record right now. There's a bunch of injuries this game. It's Lambeau at night in prime time. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Do you think the Lions should be confident that they will win this game? I think the Lions should be very confident that they win this game. Um, you know, there are some injuries for the Packers. David Bakiari, I think it's questionable. Uh, Christian Watson is going to play, but he'll be on a snap count, I believe. Aaron Jones is questionable as well. But once again, like hamstrings are really, really weird injuries. So we'll kind of see where they go with that. But this is a game the Lions should win, okay? Uh, I don't think – I think Jair Alexander is questionable as well. Like, they have so many injuries, and I don't know if they're good enough to overcome injuries like some teams are in this league, a.k.a. the Lions. Uh, so we should have Taylor Decker back as well, which I think will be huge for the offensive line because uh, I think we need Panay back on the right, holding it down, and Taylor back on the left. Like, that last week's game against the Falcons, I think we really struggled to – get get the blocks in order and same thing with the Seahawks. So it's it's a game I expect to win. Like that's that's the thing. Like there used to be this mystique, this aura about going into Lambeau and being scared of Lambeau. We don't have to we've already done that. We've already conquered winning at Lambeau against the greatest quarterback stopping them from going to the you know the playoffs and things like that. We're the better team. We probably the best team in the division currently. I think we need to make a statement and show that by going into Lambeau and winning this football game. And there needs to be a serious dialogue happening. And I I, I thought I didn't want to say this because this would be the classic I say this and it backfires and that player tortures my team. But I'm going to go ahead and say it. There is really no difference between Jordan Love and Zach Wilson if you really actually watch them play football. Let that be known. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I, I am going that far. They are very similar. I want to go on record and definitively say I don't think Jordan Love is good, and I'm not scared of Jordan Love. I don't think he's the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, uh, which Zach Wilson has always been and will always be. I'm not afraid of him at all, though. I think a lot of people are like, like they only see the highlights. And they're like, oh, nice, nice little play there. And uh, there also is this narrative that like he doesn't have some great receivers. I want to say, I think the Packers receivers are nasty. That's the one thing that scares me about Green Bay. I get they don't have like the big brand name and Christian Watson's been out, but Romeo Dubs is a killer. Jaden Reed is really good to me. Like if, if you put Watson next to those two, I think that's one of the best receiving cores in the league. So I don't want to hear like Jordan loves doing this with nobody. Those guys are good. Like I believe that. Can you um, say, I want, can you do a quick little victory lap for Romeo Dubs? Cause I feel like you told me, I feel like there's, if we go back to when he first came to the league, you spent probably the most money on Romeo uh, Dubs um, anytime touchdown score props. Yeah, I've been betting Romeo Dubs to score every single 
week that that's been available. Uh, he was my all time make money betting him college player. Like the, Nevada would always be on at like 1030 and it, whatever funds I had left were going on Nevada plus the points, like just every single time. And this kid, like, I swear to God, it was like 180 yards receiving three touchdowns that happened like every single week in Nevada. So uh, it's good to see him doing well. I like those guys a lot. Uh, I don't know. I think there's there's some mental emotional stuff with football. Like I, I think, especially with interdivisional things, like there are there are hurdles and there's ownership and there's just things that matter that aren't necessarily X's and O's on the football field. The Lions were the victims of that for like a decade, and it it, it really came at the hands of Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers had that over the Bears as well. Like you've seen the video of him going into Soldier Field and saying, "I own you." Like I I truly believe. There's an element of this to Detroit conquered the boss and the boss is gone. And when Green Bay suits up tonight and realizes the Detroit Lions are coming in and the Detroit Lions are the favorite in this division, I don't think there's going to be a lot of confidence from the guys in that locker room. I think there's going to be a lot of like, uh oh, (laughs) like these these guys are good. They're talented. And they own the mental edge on us from last year. Like, we aren't afraid to go into Lambo. Everybody in the Detroit locker room is com- coming in like, this is our spot. We own this spot. Remember what we did last year when the Packers had a playoff game on the line. And they blew it because of us. We took it from them. So I, I fully expect to win this game. I know I've said that every single week. Um I I just think there's a caliber difference. I think the Lions are a better football team across the board. I don't necessarily think it'll be pretty. I don't think it'll be a blowout. But I think as long as we take care of business and Dan Campbell isn't like going for it on fourth and 11 from the 10-yard line, I like our chances. I think the better team should win this football game. So Lions money line will be bad tonight. Oh, 100%. And I'll end it with this. In my lifetime as a Lions fan, I've never actually ever said the phrase and said the phrase and believe it that that team doesn't want to see us. This team doesn't want to see us. This team doesn't want to play us. I can confidently say the Packers don't want to see us. They don't. And it's never been like that. But shit's changing. They don't want to see us. And honestly, there's a lot of teams around the NFL that don't want to see us either. Okay, so let just let that be known. This might be the worst that the Lions are to take Dion's phrase. And we're damn good. So I'm just saying it's 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 up from here and it's stuck. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. Also, uh, just as far as vibes and energy goes, I just want to let this be known. 20 seconds ago, I just got a text from my wife. This is what the text says word for word. Thoughts, LOL. There's a photo attached. I open that photo and this is what I see. I see a plus 1687 same game parlay with four selections, $20 to win $337. Jared Goff over 249 yards. David Montgomery, anytime touchdown scorer. AJ Dillon, anytime touchdown scorer. We're going to have to tell her about that one. Jordan Love under 227 yards. That's the vibes the Waddell family is on today. My word. And also the 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 wager here, the stake has gone from a dollar to five dollars to twenty dollars in about seven days of Mal having a FanDuel account. So I'm, I'm loving this energy. I think it's good. I'm going to tell her to replace AJ Dillon with Lions money line, and we'll see what that does to the odds. Uh, all right. <laughs> oh, my bad. Didn't see you there. You've been finding the, a void in your life, something that you need a sense of community, a sense of want, a sense of being there. 
what better place than to join the Sleepers Media Discord where we have a community, we have discussions, we have engagements, and we have betting advice in there. For anyone who wants to get into that betting world, we are more than happy to be your betting Obi-Wan Kenobi and lead you to the greatness of maybe greener pastures and more money. But for the small price of $9.99, if you join on the web, don't join on mobile, join on the web, you can join Sleepers Media Discord and you can have the safety and the beauty of being able to talk to me and Greg at any time you want. And we are active in the Discord. So I don't know what you're waiting for. Join the Discord, Sleepers Media, $9.99 on the web. Do it now. Final final segment today. Uh, our list guy, Guy, Guy the List Guy is back with some more guys. This time we're going to do Guy's bucket list, which is exactly what it sounds. I asked him to make a list of his top 10 buckets, guys that are just buckets. We have uh, we've used this term a lot on our show through the years. Uh, I've said it particularly. He's just a bucket. That's not necessarily what we're going for here. Like, I think there are a lot of good players that do more things than just be buckets. But at the end of the day, like, if you just need a bucket, these are the 10 guys that I'm going to. So we uh, we went back and forth on this a lot. Guy gave us an original list, and I think we did shift it around a lot. We added four or five names to this. But I feel good about what we came up with. So I'll read the names here. These are the names on our top 10 favorite buckets in college hoops. Number one is Kisei Tominaga. Number two is Caleb Love. Number three is Max Acemas. Four, Aiden Mahaney. Five, Tyler Perry. Six, Max Rice, Boise State. Seven, Dane Danger. Little big man love. Eight, Boogie Ellis. Nine, Tyson Walker. And 10, Caleb Grill from Missouri. Uh, honorable men mentions Shulga from VCU, Jameer Young from Maryland, and Soriano from St. John's. What do you like about this list card? Do you feel great about guys, bucket guys? I honestly feel really great about this list, to be honest with you. Uh, there's a little bit in me that wants to put Tyson Walker ahead of some other players on this list, um, especially because Tyson Walker is behind a guy who was on the receiving end of him being a bucket in Boogie Ellis. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think this list is pretty pretty flawless here. Aiden Mahaney, one of the best buckets in the country. Ace Miss, obviously, just well, we, the numbers speak for themselves scoring-wise. I would love to know how you feel about Caleb Love being number two on this list. I, I need your thoughts. I despise it um, because does he deserve I, to be on this? Does he deserve to be on here? I would have been okay. Honorable mention. I would have been okay. I would have been okay at ten. Honestly, I would have been okay at ten. I uh, when when we're listing buckets, though, a big part of being a bucket is not being like a clank off the rim guy more than you are a bucket. Like I, I need the guys who are buckets to score, but also like do so more often than they miss. Caleb love misses way more often than he scores. That's, that's the ethos of who Caleb love is as a player. And yeah, when it goes in, the shots look cool. The step back jumpers are fun, but the whole reason North Carolina has been horrible the last two years is that he's clank. Like it, it was RJ and Caleb. It was ratchet and clank. RJ had a ratchet. Caleb clanked everything. That's who he is. So uh, we got to see what he is at Arizona. I think there's reason for optimism that maybe he looks better there or different there, but um, to call him the second best bucket in the country when he's a guy who misses way more than he makes just seems a little crazy. Like, you really want the ball in Caleb Love's hands over Max Acemas' hands? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would probably have Caleb Love like six 
maybe. Maybe like seven. I moved Tyson up and moved the other guys up ahead of him. Uh, I, I though, feel great having Kisei number one. Yeah. Because though Ace-Miss is the leading scorer, there's nothing more fun than when Kisei is getting buckets. It just hits differently. Yeah. I think that's an element, too, of, like, wh- who's the true pure bucket? It's got to be fun watching the way they get the bucket. And Kisei is, like... I don't know. It's like a spell. Like the whole arena just falls underneath this guy's gravity when he is made like a couple straight threes. Caleb loves like that too. So is Ace Miss. Like those guys have had sort of like five minute stretches where it's just like appointment television watching those three guys. I think everybody else on this list is like a, a, a step behind. So maybe that's the argument for Caleb being up there is like when he gets going, it is special. Um, Dane Danger, uh, big man yeah. love on this list. This that's exactly where I was about to go, and I want to let this be known right now. I saw this with my own eyes, folks. All right, I was in State Farm Arena. Dane Danger is a problem in the post. I talked about having a go-to post move. I talked about having a post bag. I'm a I'm a post player that has a lot of pride in having a post bag. If I could have a post bag in college, I'm taking Dane Danger's post bag. I'm letting that be known right now. That dude's a bucket. If you gave Dane Danger, the conditioning of Zach Eady and the uses of Zach Eady. I, I mean, you're looking at probably what minimum 18 and 10. He's a problem in the post. And honestly, he's a problem even like extended too. He's got a little bit like you don't want to see Dane Danger at the elbow. And he squares up on you. He's going to hit you with a spin, uppy, undery lay. Like that's what he's doing. Dane Danger's post bag is crazy. He should be the first option for this. For this I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me take that back. Outside of Terrence Shannon, Dane Danger should be option number two for this Illinois team. That's, hate, he's a bad man. I hate to break this to you. Dane Danger is infinitely less dangerous when the guy guarding him isn't Jackson Kohler. Okay. <laughs> like I get like you were violated personally and you watched it happen in person. Most of the teams Dane Danger plays don't let him do what he did to Michigan State because they have some answers because, there. Because Brad won't let him. They have some answers there. Uh, if Brad yeah. let if Brad <laughs> let let the danger zone loose, it'd be a movie. But like I, I don't think there is such thing as letting the danger zone loose on Cliff Amorier or yeah, Zach Eady or he would better have, center. He would have he would have the, he would have them in hell. I don't know. I don't know. We thought about uh, like we had Terrence Shannon in the honorable mentions. We were going to do two Illinois names here. There was originally Terrence Shannon in the top 10 and not Dane Danger, but uh, we swapped it out. I think that's the right move because I do like the bag he's got. He's got the footwork. He's got all the moves. It's it's fun. That's part of this. Um, anybody that's not on the list you think should have been on the list? There were a lot of names in discussion this week for the bucket list. Uh Honestly, I feel like it's pretty, pretty pretty well done, to be honest with you. I mean, you have Ace Miss. Baylor Shireman. Baylor Shireman was the name that was thrown around. I I definitely – well, because I think we had Kalk on the list, and I was like, I'd rather have Shireman instead of Kalk. I think – actually, no. I think I would take out Caleb Grill for Shireman on this list. And that's where I'd go with it. I think guys push back, which I kind of agree with, is that Shireman is a little too much of an all-around guy to be a bucket guy. Like, Tominaga's just a bucket guy. Caleb Love, pretty much just a bucket guy. Ace Miss, mostly just a bucket guy. Um, 
I don't know. I, I do think Baylor's more of an all-around player a little bit, but I don't know. I don't know. I could have gone either way on Baylor. Ultimately, he's off the list. I'm trying to I feel like we're for, I feel like we're forgetting somebody and it's gonna it's gonna strike me afterwards. My largest issue with our bucket list is Andy Katz released his top five or his top ten shooters. Five of the guys on our bucket list are on Andy Katz's top 10 shooters i feel horrible about that well there's a difference between buckets and shooters i know but i i just feel horrible about that i mean Uh, if we had a top 10 shooters list it'd look a lot different than andy katz this is true this is true all right uh don't let don't let that get you down official commentary we're one week through uh working with guy our list guy what's your grade for guy you got any thoughts for guy how's it going with guy for you I, I want to ask Guy what's his grade for us. We bow down to Guy. I do I feel like we're a lot stronger with Guy on our side. I do. Can we Every- can we tell personal tech stories from Guy? I on think here? you, you got to keep some of this mysterious, but yeah, you can read what he says for sure. Can I read the school comment that I brought up to him yesterday? I think so. I think that's fair. Okay, if it's not, then Guy can you know put the hammer down and let me know, and I'll I'll repent my sins. But I was like, he was creating the graphic and he's like, I got to go to class. Um, so I'll try to knock it out. I was like, like, don't worry, guy. Like school comes first. Like, don't and I made a joke. Like, don't make us put a minimum GPA requirement in order to make these lists. And guy hit me with the, I think I'll be fine. I had a 4.67 cumulative last year. And I said, all righty then guy don't let don't let, what i think you said welcome to being the smartest person in sleepers immediately and uh keep on doing your thing my apologies yeah it was really fun being the smartest person in sleepers media for a couple of years but i hey. pushed that title hey. uh, also i can't express how much of an asset it is to sleepers media that we now have a guy named guy who has a 4.6 gpa who would rather spend his time making bucket list graphics for us. Like I, we can't it feel like I've been dreaming and waiting for this moment for forever. So shout out to guy. Great first week from our perspective guy. And uh, you might see more of guys work shortly. Guy made some thumbnails for us today. Guys talking about helping us out on social media, making some things for sleepers media. I can't wait. I mean, kids, kids, kids dynamic. He's crushing it. We also, uh, not to like, put some pressure on guy or anybody here, but uh, we, we have another sleepers media edition coming. Don't sleep on us. Uh, I think that news is dropping Monday, but like contracts have been signed here. There's a, there's paperwork coming. So stuff has been sent. Some stuff has been sent to HR. Are we going to do like, have you seen the movie whiplash? I don't think you've seen it. Have you? No. In whiplash. It's about like this teacher who's crazy spoiler alert, but he just like abuses his students and he's a music teacher and he uh, it's about his relationship with a drummer and his whole thing. The whole movie is that he always has like a second drummer just sitting next to his main drummer so that if he wants to, he can like cuss out his main drummer and be like, get off the set. We got a new drummer kind of thinking about doing that with guy in our new edition. <laughs> can we, is it too early to pit them against each other already? It's not, but I something about you using that movie as an example is just not sitting right with me. I'm not going to correlate <laughs> it exactly, but there definitely could have been another example. Okay, I'm sorry. I I I do not want to enter an abusive relationship with anyone. 
Okay. I know I've said too many horribly problematic things this week. That is not what I'm after. I love Guy. He's doing a great job. I also love our new addition. I am joking about the concept of putting pressure against them. Sorry. I need to be better about this, man. It's okay. It's okay. I'm really sorry. I'm going to take a good long look in the mirror. Nor- like we thought Dion, the guy who comes on our Friday shows now that Riley Davis is a father, we thought Dion was going to be the one who uh, said problematic things. I've just been saying the problematic things this week. I'm sorry. Okay, Gregory. You'll be okay. We'll be okay. One big thing presented by Big B. What do you got? Uh, my one big thing is that I think you we might be sleeping on charcuterie boards. Like, I don't like people. There was a time, right, where, like, everyone was making charcuterie boards, and I, like, hated it because it was substituting stuff that was already in place. Like, I went to Thanksgiving at my aunt's house, and we usually have, like, appetizers, maybe, like, some type of, like, dip or something, uh, you know, some queso and ground beef type dip or something like that. And I showed up two years ago. And it was a full charcuterie board. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with this, Susie? Like, grapes? Almonds? What the hell is going on here? But when you just, like, make your own and just put your snacks on an actual charcuterie board, like, I think I might start eating all my meals off of this board. It, like, it kind of hit different. Mm. So, shout out to charcuterie boards, man. Charcuterie? 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 Charcuterie. Yeah. Did you yeah. just intentionally Matt James us with the charcuterie? No. Oh, is that a Matt James bit? Yeah. So Matt James's bit for years uh, was him and Tyler Cameron, his boy, would make charcuterie boards. And instead of actual foods, like he would just put like Teddy Grahams and Cheez-Its and Goldfish and Hershey bar on a board. And then, like, Instagram it and be like, made a great charcuterie board today. I just take back my whole one big thing. I'm not doing that. That, I'm. You know, I think there are some parallels here between, like, Matt Matt James and Tyler Cameron were a great one black, one white friendship duo. Do we like Tyler Cameron? Love Tyler Cameron. We do. We're in on Tyler Cameron. Tyler Cameron is the GOAT reality TV contestant for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, I'm in on it. Actually, you know what? They played football at Wake Forest. I'm in a Wake Forest sweatshirt right now. Deacons. Wow. It's all coming full circle. What you I mean, want, you just need to date a problematic white woman. See, found myself a non-problematic <laughs> one, and I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah. Shout out Queen Meg. We love Queen Meg. Uh, okay, final... One big thing for me today, I have a couple ways I'm thinking about going with this. I'll just go the simple one. I love the show. Welcome to Wrexham. I want to put some love on that show. I watched a new episode last night. I'm two episodes into season two of Welcome to Wrexham. And it's got me thinking one day I insist that whenever you and I actually get real money out of all of this, we have to buy some random soccer club. I'm in. That's all I have here. It looks like the greatest thing in the world. Uh, This little town, though. Have you watched Welcome to Wrexham? Uh, No, but like I'm familiar with Wrexham Football Club and everything that's going on with it. I want you to watch it because like they do a really good job with the show of like you get to know people in the town, actually. And like they tell you like their real life stories and 
again, spoiler alert, episode two of season two was just beautiful. Like we got one of the star players on the team has a, a son with autism and there's a huge like super fan of the club that is a 17 year old girl named Millie with autism and like just the most heartwarming little bonding story. Uh, yeah, got, got me in my feels last night. So shout out to Wrexham, shout out to Rob McElhenney and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Love the show, love what they're doing. Can't wait to keep watching. Did you ever declare a new soccer team? No, I'm still, I wanted to be a Nottingham guy. I actually, I, I exchanged messages with fans of multiple clubs that were like giving me the pitch on why I should be a fan. I was going to go Nottingham. I think that's still where my heart is if I needed to decide. But I think more importantly, I'm, I'm determining I'm not a soccer guy. Mm. Can I make one last pitch for you? Yeah. Maybe you're a Spurs guy. Mm, hate it. Really? Hate Harry Kane so much. I love Harry Son. Kane. Harry Kane's not on the Spurs. I know, anymore. I know, but his stink is there. His stench is all over everything they do. Like they're you they're just hair gel everywhere. Um I yeah I don't know I don't like the little bird logo I'm not a big like navy blue and white as a color combo guy uh, I think my read on Tottenham you can tell me if this is wrong my read on Tottenham is that they're like they're kind of they think they're quirky underdogs but in reality they're privileged assholes not the worst read that's my read and Rob Doster's a fan of them and you know yeah. I can't align there that, that's true I can't <laughs> all right we're out. All right, I'll, I'll, give me give me like give me like another week, and I'll have a pitch of three clubs. And if you don't choose, then then you can just be out. Maybe just be a fan of the game. Okay, yeah, maybe not a fan of the game. Or maybe or maybe just completely out. I don't know. I, I think I need to get back into round robining to care again. I wish it would just be as easy as you know, just deciding to be a fan of the greatest dynasty in soccer there's ever been. Wish I could just do that, but I have some morals, you know. To have only run from the grind has been great since. <laughs> All right. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. We'll have Dion Hill Ford back on the show tomorrow for a Riley Friday. And uh, can't wait for it. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you Friday. Go Lions. Sir. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.